Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Forza drives home to gamers. Make way for Call of Duty Vanguard. And are we on notice with Red Notice? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos welcome to the pop culture cosmos and we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos this is gerald glassford coming right back at you here from pop culture cosmos game source inside sports fantasy football and the lakers fast break we truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Lakers Fast Break, Humanican Media, everything that we do as far as Facebook is concerned, including the fact that we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer there because we have games all week long on Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos, or anything else that we do here within the realm of the Pop Culture Cosmos, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is our own Stranger Things of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. His awesome site, Humanican Media, for all things entertainment, including his great podcasts. Topic Ocalypse, and the Super BS Gamescast, plus his amazing book that he has now for sale, which you got to get as a great Christmas present. Who knows? It might be on sale coming up soon for Black Friday, and you can get that at Amazon and Barnes Noble, entitled Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's what up, man? What's up? What's going on, man? It's I've just been playing some games today. Just, just playing some video games, hanging out, driving some cars through Mexico. There you go, because we're going to be talking some Forza here in a bit, because Forza Horizon 5 and Call of Duty Vanguard, the major video game releases are starting to roll out. So we'll be talking about not just one, but two of them that just came out and got released two video game consoles coming up here in bed we'll talk about how good forza is and is it now considered the best driving series of all time and with call of duty are we getting diminishing returns even more so we'll talk about that coming up here in a bit we'll also talk about something that just dropped before we went on air the latest teaser for stranger things season four and a title list for all the episodes that are coming up in season four and we now know the time frame of when it's coming. We'll talk a little Stranger Things Season 4 coming up here on the episode as well. 
Plus, we've got a whole lot more to talk about, including Red Notice, that hit on Netflix. This powerful cast of Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and Gal Gadot all coming together on this sweeping adventure. Is it actually any good? Does it seem like they cashed in a paycheck? We'll talk about the advanced word on Red Notice and if it's going to be something that you need to go ahead and check out or probably will check out because it's on Netflix. That's coming up here in a bit. Plus also as well on Netflix, something dropped for League of Legends fans and that is Arcane, an animated movie that just dropped on Netflix this weekend as well. It's a humongous adventure that was designed for the League of Legends fans out there and we're going to talk about if this is going to bring in more than just the LOL fans. We're going to talk about if this is going to bring in a larger audience and if this is something that, as a beginning, could bring in more fans for more great League of Legends projects down the road. We're going to talk about that on the back end of the show as well. Plus, we have some more retail memories from retail stores in the past as Josh and I We'll tell you about some great memories of KB Toy Stores, and that's coming up on the back end of the show as well. But first, my friend, it is the Eternals. We were all wondering what the advanced word was. I know you were really a lot higher on it than I was. I know that a lot of other people I know were like up and down on it. The advanced word coming into it with Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic had it as the worst and poorest reviewed movie so far for the MCU, so it was very concerning. Several countries around the world, particularly in very socially conservative areas, have decided to ban the movie because of the same-sex kiss and also the first initial MCU love scene. That also set off a little bit of a firestorm, but despite all that, it's looking to come in right around the expectations that Marvel had for the film, around $70 million here domestically and about $150 million worldwide. So that's just under the take that Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings did. So it's gone off to a decent start. We'll see, I think, in the coming weeks, in the second, third, fourth week, exactly how well it will hold, because that may be where the word of mouth comes in. But... So far, so good for the Eternals. So were you meaning to make a pun when you said word of mouth? Because there's a lot of mouth kissing in this movie. Is that Actually, a... it's not a lot. Well, yeah, there is a little bit. A little bit more than the uh, average MCU film. And again, man, the first time that, you know, that has some action, I guess, going on of a different kind for the first time in the MCU. Plus the same-sex kiss. I know that's uh, kind of gotten a lot of people like, excited for one reason or the other yeah I, I, honestly man like i don't know i don't understand why people are getting so worked up over it you know exactly like, i it, agree it doesn't change the way that it's the movie is not about the kiss the kiss just happens in the movie you know yeah. so it doesn't like take away from anything and, and um, i appreciate the fact it's the first time that uh deaf individual and also same-sex representation has been in a marvel movie I appreciate the fact that audience can now be represented because we all know Marvel has made a great effort to go ahead and be diverse and be more involving. But, yeah. you know, yeah. to go ahead and cancel the film in whichever country, then come on, get over yeah, it. It's 2021. Yeah, and from what I understand, it's more like the uh, religious places and the, like the Yeah, the Middle East, socially conservative countries, I know. Uh, yeah, well, 
China too, right? China is not playing it either. Well, with Chloe Zhao's recent statements on China during the course of her promoting Nomadland, I know China would not allow that film to go and be presented in the country. And I have a feeling that not only the content of the movie, but also what she has said in the past in regards to China, will probably never see a release in that country as well. Plus, Marvel will not do any cuts. Anytime a country has asked for cuts you know, for the same-sex kissing scene, and also as well, the more intimate scenes, they have declined. So that's why it's getting banned in those countries, because Marvel's not willing to budge. Again, uh, should be, like you said, a bigger picture about the movie itself. The fact that it, it's trying to do a lot, uh, and in order to do so, it had to explain a lot, and maybe that didn't connect with the critics as much. But, you know, you're not a big mm-hmm. fan of the critics anyways, but right. it looks to be doing okay despite that. I didn't expect it to be something like Guardians of the Galaxy. Everyone's like, oh, maybe it'll be like that. You know, we'll laugh. as a, a new team we'll laugh about. This is actually a very serious movie, and I think that this was meant to be like the, the – I guess the trampoline that launches all the other, you know, the, the next, all the things coming up in the MCU. Yeah. From what I understand, you know, and there's two end credits, scene. I haven't seen the movie yet, but hearing that the, they don't have any sequels planned and hearing that this is supposed to have big repercussions across the MCU. I wasn't really expecting it to be the fanfare of like Iron Man or Captain America or Thor or anything. I really just looking at this as like a, a side story that has, a ripple effect absolutely and looking to see how they'll integrate those eternal characters and also kit harrington's black, black knight King. yeah that's yeah. the one i think that people are, are going to be looking towards him integrated into the mcu in other films you're right the eternals does not have a set for sure sequel or trilogy in mind if it does well enough you know marvel is going to leave the door open for that but Right now, like we said, it's kind of iffy and up in the air for the future of the Eternals. But I think that the movie is going to do well enough to keep the Eternals around in some form or fashion. You know, maybe you'll see one here, a couple here, a couple there, things like that. And then, of course, Kit Harington, I think, was going to have a bigger place in the MCU as a whole. I think it's not going to be like the Inhumans. I know that was the worry, that it would be like the Inhumans, where it went up and appeared on ABC television was so bad that they just swept it under the rug, like I mentioned on a previous episode. But I think that now that, you know, this is going to be something that Marvel's kind of cool with this movie. And, you know, Marvel's going to keep this around and not forget that this movie ever existed. Obviously, there's a plan, you know, like they screen their stuff very well before they put it out. So there's there's obviously there's a purpose for this film being where it was. So they didn't necessarily have to give you the Eternals to like launch whatever's coming next, you know, but there's a plan in place. And whether this movie is good or bad, we all trust in Feige, right? Like we put our faith in Feige, faith in Feige bumper sticker. There you go. There you go. But yeah, I, I, you know, I don't, I'm not expecting big things from, I, and I, I think that Marvel's kind of shot itself in the foot in the fact that every superhero movie has become you know, they're, they've built these expectations, you know, with, with the audiences. Like, there's going to be cool, there's going to be funny quips, and there's going to be, like, lots of explosions, and there's going to be jokes about Loki, you know? And it's like, heaven forbid that we put out a movie that actually has a serious story to tell. They created the ex- expectations, much like Michael Bay created the expectations, and, like, Transformers will never be a movie that has depth because 
everyone's like, all I want from this is robots and explosions, you know? And I think that that's where people are having a hard time with this movie is because it's telling a rather serious story as opposed to the one that's like full of jokes and fighting, you know? Should it come sooner in the MCU movie timeline? Should it have been an explainer maybe towards the beginning of this whole MCU? Yes and no. I, I feel like a movie like this would have served well to come out right after Endgame to kind of like lay the groundwork, have these characters. Because in the trailer, they they obviously address like what happened with Thanos and all yeah. that. So it would have been nice to have this there instead of like Black Widow or Spider-Man or whatever. That way you could have really like laid the groundwork for what's coming next, but also address what has already happened. So it kind of takes what just happened and put it into like a bigger picture as opposed to, you know, having all these other things come out. So you're already building the expectation like, oh, we got Spider-Man and oh, we got Black Widow or whatever. So it's, I don't know. I just, I feel like it would have served a better placeholder at the beginning of this phase instead of like what we're in the middle or close to the middle. Yeah, something like that. And I mean, what, you've got Hawkeye coming up here in a couple weeks that I'm very excited for. And you've got, after that, Spider-Man, No Way Home. And then you have Morbius, which kind of ties into the MCU. But yeah, that's an interesting one. The, all that debate online about where that stands. Exactly. So we might not have anything after Morbius in the MCU unless they announce some Marvel shows coming sooner rather than later after the Book of Boba Fett. I'm not hearing anything as far as a set date for any of their shows, so I'm, I'm certain we're going to be getting more word on the Marvel shows on when they might debut coming up here on Disney Plus Day. But after Morbius, right now on the docket, we will not see anything until May because they bumped back Doctor Strange 2 and the Multiverse of Madness yeah. back to May from, I think it's March date, so there'd be a little bit of point in time where the MCU might be inactive. So we'll yeah. see how, how what happens, man. But it's going to be do very you, interesting. Do you know what I hope for? That this, like with the Eternals and Guardians of the Galaxy and all this, you know what I hope that these will yield? What's that? The Silver Surfer. Because oh, all sure. of us just want to see the Silver Surfer in the MCU. Like, it was such a shame. You know, he was cool in that Fantastic Four Fox movie, but... He, what could he be like in the MCU? That is something that I would love to see. Not just reflect on his tale. Give us the full Silver Surfer movie, you know? like. Well, the obvious thing is going to be him debuting in a Fantastic Four movie or in the Fantastic Four movie when it comes out. But maybe he'll be introduced beforehand. Maybe in a, you know, it, it may be one of the cut scenes coming up in the yeah. not-too-distant future. But I think he's a given. I think his character is a given. And will also provide a context for those longtime fans to go ahead and read or appreciate the MCU. But it will have to be something that has to be explained to a general audience who has really not had any recollections of the, the Silver Surfer at all. Yeah, and I mean they're they're already opening up that like cosmic side of the MCU, so yes. it'd be nice to like. And that's why I say like maybe don't put him in the Fantastic Four right away, but give him his own film like showing his origins and how like and you can also touch on like galactus like where did galactus come from and all that like there's and you can also maybe put like nova in there there's a lot that they can do that would really like familiarize people with the characters and then throw him into the mix with fantastic four like that could be cool wow well i'll tell you what 
the Eternals, like I said, it's meeting right, it's right around the expectations of what Marvel is, is expecting for, right around $70 million domestically. So, you know, considering the circumstances here in the pandemic, I think that's to be you know, appreciated. And the fact that it will most likely earn right around $150 million worldwide, even if the fact that it's been banned in several countries should be commended for the movie. I think the fact that despite all the controversies, despite all the, the bad reviews, despite all the things that have been pushed against it, The Eternals is still going to be something that the MCU will still be a great part of. Yeah, and I'm curious, like, with the countries that aren't going to be playing this movie, like, you know, when they make whatever movie comes out next that needs to reference the Eternals, I wonder if they'll be making, like, special cuts of, like, maybe some what happened in the movie. Who knows? Who knows indeed. But it is the Eternals. It's now out in theaters. The reactions are all over the place. And it's actually more popular with the general audience and the fans out there seem to be appreciating it a lot more than the critics, which is a good thing. And that's always uh, the best thing. If the general audience is liking it a lot more than what we're seeing from the critics, the only thing is what's going to be the returns are like with the second, third, fourth weeks moving forward. The second week is always a big drop for superhero movies. So if somebody sees a 60 or 70% drop, don't be surprised because that happens with all these superhero movies. Depends how far down it goes. Now, if it goes down like what we saw from Black Widow, that was extremely unfortunate to see. Uh, that, that, I think, set the bad tone was that second week for that film as far as the advanced word because we were expecting a lot more, I think, from a box office standpoint. But we'll see what happens with The Eternals. But any last thoughts on The Eternals? I know I'm going to go ahead and check it out by the time this airs, but... What are your thoughts on The Eternals before we head on out? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something I want to watch. My girls have not yet seen Endgame. We're, we're almost there. We're like two movies away. So once we watch that, then we'll get out of the house, go check out Eternals, and then, you know, some more definitive thoughts there. But, you know, just seeing the trailers, like I, you know, and seeing the, the cinematography and just the tone of the film, I, I'm still pretty excited to watch it at some point. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Here, Imran. So if you offend everyone at once, it all it's a wash. I've covered everybody. Anthony. Sorry, I was texting. Say that again. And Rug Boy. Yeah, whenever there's a snowstorm, my slack hole tightens up. As they talk over one another. Just exactly uh, the same as the fucking Terminator. We're talking over each other. It's fine. Sorry. Swear and ask you for money. Just give us the money. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. It can't be silly, goofy fun. Uh, Jock and Nerd. I've got one last thing, my friend, that you touched on that just hit me. And the fact is that Chloe Zhao directed this film, who is the Academy Award-winning director of Nomadland. And Mm -hmm. it's just my personal opinion that I hope whatever the results of this film are is that Marvel will still continue to have some association with her and her work. Because whatever the results are from this film, I think that Marvel should be very accepting of trying to go ahead and keep her within the MCU as far as for some work later on. I'm I'm hoping that you won't hear stories of how Chloe does not ever want to work with Marvel again and vice versa. Yeah. I'm hoping they'll get a chance to collaborate once again down the road. Yeah, and here's, you know, that that's a 
good point too because like marvel has notoriously not wanted to work with artsy film directors you know like edgar wright was risky for ant-man and then we saw what happened to that right and then scott scott derrickson like he wanted to do something different with dr strange and they got rid of him too and they say it was amicable but it probably wasn't but you know this is the first time they've like brought in a truly like artsy direct like a truly she wanted to she approached them on this yeah so yeah i mean i would hope so because here's the thing like you can keep making movies for the general audience but there's a a group of people who want substance in their films and not that the mcu doesn't have substance but it's not it's not geared towards people who like artistic films and it feels that's why it gets all the criticism from some notable directors out there yeah and this feels like it's a true like turn in the the direction of like bringing people in that want to not just make artistic films but like see them you know in a superhero context showing that superhero movies can be more than just jokes and people punching each other there you go but it is the eternals it has come out we want to hear your thoughts on if you enjoyed the eternals and are looking forward to seeing more appearances from the eternals down the road in the mcu please share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com well my friend there's so much more to talk about on today's program just before we went on the air i can't do that stranger things music but Stranger Things dropped a season four teaser, an episode title list, and also a general, not specific, but general release date on when these episodes will drop. So my friend, I got a chance to see it. They're heading into 1986. And boy, do I remember that period of time. I was in high school at that time, which we're seeing now from the cast of Stranger Things. Ironically, of all ironically they're in high school and i guess the the whole teaser is about 11 millie bobby brown's character writing a letter to her boyfriend and talking about how she's having a wonderful time when we're seeing that it's quite the reverse and how she's not popular and how she's being bullied in school and things of that nature but it's giving a even little bit darker sign of things to come with some highlights of things that are are going to happen along the way because she's looking forward to this spring break of 1986. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. Again, for me, it brings back a lot of memories of my time around that time because I was a junior, I think, at that point in time. So I want to hear your thoughts on what you're looking forward to with Stranger Things. I'm really just looking forward to seeing like where the story goes, because I know they're supposed to, they're wanting to end the series with season five, but every season up until now has had a clear end. You know, the bad guys been defeated. The Russians have been defeated. You know, we saw the Russians are still up to something and hoppers there and all that good stuff, but he got transported to there. Yeah. But where is, where's like the big thing, you know, like where's the Thanos at what is going to be, a satisfying ending to a series that like this that people like have truly come to like know and love over the years you're expecting some type of like you said thanos type or thanos level entity to be pulling the strings all along and to be the ultimate boss battle against the kids per se correct right right and and maybe not not like a doesn't have to have a big antagonist because perhaps like 
the upside down itself could be the big antagonist but like what what is it that's going to bring about a a clear cut satisfying like oh this tied the whole show together and it brought everything to a nice end like where is that going to come from that's what i'm wondering yeah you know and as for the show itself like i love the show you know like it's i i was born in 88 so i don't really have any recollection of the 80s but for me like it, it makes me feel nostalgic for a time that i wasn't alive for you know and like I think a lot of people feel that too. Like you see the, the, these like eighties and nineties styles popping back up. And I think stranger things does a good job of, you know, showing the world for what it was in comparison to like what it is today. And that, that's one thing I really loved about the last season was like the shopping mall, you know, not a, it's unfortunate now that a lot of people won't know the, the joy of a shopping mall and its heyday. Yeah. I have to almost remember myself at times exactly how awesome it was and how much I took it for granted because it was your life at that time. So, you you know, people have a tendency to take things for granted and how wonderful it was to go ahead and experience that at the level I did because the 1980s yeah. and 1990s, that's what it was all about. Yeah, even if you didn't have any money to spend, you know, it was still nice just to go. Like, there's something... There's something calming about the atmosphere of a shopping mall. You know, you have people shopping, you had music playing at like the Orange Julius and all that. Like it, there was definitely something about that era. And I think Stranger Things not only captures that well, not just a shopping mall culture, but like everything about what life was like back then, you know, to, from the styles to the pop culture to they even like in the, you know, the upside down and the monsters and all that, they really capture that era in film too like what was cool back then you know the monster movies the alien movies like even you know in the last season when they sat down there what what horror movie were they watching like halloween or something in the beginning of the last season like they do a good job of recreating what made that era so great to so many people and i think it makes modern audiences like wish that they could experience what that time was like they did an excellent representation of that. It did make me nostalgic. And for a second, Wonder Woman 1984 did that too, but they didn't really go ahead and showcase too much of that. You were actually experiencing it in Stranger Things much more yeah. so than then. It just gave the aesthetic look for a second in Wonder Woman 84. And said, yeah, I remember being a part of that. It was kind of cool. But then Stranger Things, actually you delved into it. Got to, yeah, the kids working in some of the stores and the kids going and hanging out at the mall. That's those are times that I do remember and can associate with. So well, we're gonna have to wait to see what spring break nineteen eighty six looks like to Stranger Things when it debuts in the summer of twenty twenty two. So that's how much of a time span we're talking about from then to now. In regards to what they're going to go ahead and present to everyone out there for Stranger Things Season 4. So it'll be very interesting to see. I want to give you the title list for the episodes. And it's very intriguing that they already released the titles of the episodes. So here we go, my friend. The Hellfire Club. Bestness Curse. The Monster and the Superhero. Dear Billy. The Nina Project. The Dive, The Massacre at Hawkins Lap, Papa, and The Piggyback. So very interesting that they go ahead and release mm-hmm. the titles of these episodes. Of course, well, there's there's meaning behind it, but... Yeah, let the speculation think. begin. 
Do yeah. you think that season five should start off with them being adults and like wrap it up the way that like it did? That's too easy though, don't you think? It's kind of a it, that would be yeah. kind of be copying it. It would be too easy, but it'd also be cool to see like how the '90s is explored. You know. Well, maybe you can do like a halfway season transition between then and now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think that that would best serve the series, but it's an interesting idea, you know. I, I have a feeling they won't, or maybe like as a final scene, they'll cut to the, you know, after everything's all done and they've killed whatever entity that they faced off against. The survivors would probably do a flash forward to what's happening in present day, and or maybe like even a early two thousands or something like that. That when they're adults, like yeah. you're saying. Yes, absolutely. That could be cool. And the last thing I want to ask you this, when it comes to Stranger Things, because Stranger Things, at the time of last season it came out, was the preeminent show on Netflix. But Netflix has evolved, has popularized itself with dozens of series and movies and a whole ton of content since then, and it's now grown to well over 210 million subscribers. So I ask you this, Will Stranger Things resonate with an audience the same way it did before? Will it reach even close to what the Squid Game numbers are at? Because that's been viewed by over 150 million of this 210 million subscriber base. So Stranger Things was one of the key components to why Netflix is where it's at now. The thing I want to ask you is, will it continue that upper tier success because you have the witcher you have so many other things that they have now and we're going to be talking about a couple of them here in a bit but when it comes out in the summer of 2022 will we be viewing stranger things as a preeminent show for netflix yeah i think so when the last season of stranger things came out i knew a lot of people that hadn't watched the show but then heard everyone talking about the show so went back and binged all the seasons the numbers that Squid Game has done, I don't know, because Stranger Things isn't a show that appeals to people across the globe, whereas Squid Games was something that did. I definitely think that it still holds a very special place in people's hearts. If you look at Target, like Target just got a whole new line of Stranger Things merch, action figures, t-shirts. So I think that there is desire for the Stranger Things brand, and I think that people are still into it. Yes, I do think that it will do well with people here. Will it be looked at in the way of Squid Game or The Witcher? It's it's really hard to tell because, like you said, the landscape has changed so much. And I don't think the Duffer brothers like really expected this show to get as big as it did. But you know, I think that making the production a lot bigger has been costly in terms of like keeping their audience around too. Well, it'll be interesting to see where Stranger Things realigns itself amongst the very top of the successful shows that they have. But if you have any thoughts on Stranger Things and what you're looking forward to in Season 4, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com Well, coming up after the break, we're going to be talking about more great things because it is a jam-packed November to remember here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. We're going to be talking Call of Duty Vanguard, Forza Horizon 5, Red Notice, and Arcane then Josh has some memories of KB Toys coming up on the back end of the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you want to see 
the coolest action figure collections out there, the stuff that you played with as a kid. Hear from industry insiders that made the toys that really, truly defined who we are. And you got to check out season one of Action Figure Adventure. Check out Action Figure Adventure now, exclusively at Big Bad Toy Store. You'll get 10 episodes of awesome action figure fun. I guarantee if you grew up playing toys, you will love Action Figure Adventure. And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford along with my good friend, Mr. Josh Peterson, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. want to thank you so much for watching and listening everywhere around the world on Radio Worldwide, plus also wherever you get your podcasts. We're on many charts around the world in the entertainment news section, and we cannot thank you enough for supporting us. And don't forget, we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook. We've got so many great games happening all throughout the week. And if you ever want to check us out, that's all in our video section that's waiting for you now at the Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. But my friend, there's still much more to talk about on today's program. Before we hit up a game that I know you're familiar with, Vroom Vroom Vroom, we're going to be talking first about the standard bearer for video game sales and success. Call of Duty just released Vanguard to consoles and PCs everywhere. And it's getting an okay reception. It's getting about the reception that we saw from last year with Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, which I was hoping so much more for a much stronger response because of the fact that I thought that it, it had such a good concept about the timeline, what it was in, and I was so excited for it, but then the reviews came out, and they're kind of, oh, that's okay. So I just really didn't put much thought into it after that. The sales are always strong for Call of Duty, but I don't know. With Call of Duty Warzone, that's already out in a new season, and everything that goes on there, and it's free to play, and a lot of people are into it, plus everything that's else out that's out there. We keep on talking about this, my friend, each and every year. A Call of Duty drops, and we always talk about could there be any declining returns. Call of Duty, usually, if it's not a GTA, is ruling the roost in the video game world. Your thoughts on Call of Duty Vanguard? I mean, it's something that I guess people are still going to continue to play regardless because it is Call of Duty, and it's now like a creature habit thing where you have to go ahead and get it because you know you got to get the new maps, got to play the campaign going to obviously check out the zombies part of it but your thoughts on call of duty vanguard you know it's weird that when you talk about call of duty like it's you know and i know that it still has its audience and it's still popular but like i stopped caring about call of duty a long time ago like i don't know like i feel like i grew out of it but there are people who you know much like madden and fifa like this is the one game that they play every year i'm predicting at this point that there's going to be following modern warfare like the call of duties that followed that were not very popular because people were still playing modern warfare so i think that we're going to reach a point you know much like halo halo 3 multiplayer was like you know it wasn't halo 2 but it was still probably some of the most fun so the following halos that came out i don't think people spent a lot of time playing halo 4 halo 5 multiplayer i think that call of duty is running the risk of getting to a point where they make this one game with multiplayer so great nobody wants to play any of the Call of Duties that are going to follow that game. Well, you've also I, got the Call of Duty Warzone splintering the Call of Duty audience too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I just like, I feel like you can really have much like, you know, the audience spoke with Assassin's Creed, right? Like there is such thing as too much Assassin's Creed. And you get to that point where like, is there such thing as too much Call of Duty? 
Absolutely. You know, especially if they're going to continue to support Call of Duty Warzone, I don't know how smart it is to keep releasing these new Call of Duties annually. Maybe switch to a system, like take a year off, show people that it's more than just a Star Wars machine, right? You're not just pumping things out. Like show people you care about the content and you're trying to make something that's never been done before. Like show people you're putting development time into these games. Like I, I feel like these Call of Duties are just reskins of what has happened before. I don't hate Call of Duty, but I just feel like there's so much of it that I can't keep up with it. Gamers like me are the ones that are going to not come back to that franchise. But we keep saying this every year, my friend, and it still sells like hotcakes. Now, it may comparatively not sell as well as the previous years or, like you said, a a cornerstone or landmark in the series game, you know, like Modern Warfare or whatever has sold. But still, they reach the top of the charts seemingly every year. Right, but for how long, you know, and like that's the big thing too is like all the big games, Forza, which we'll talk about in a second, has scored tens all across the board. But do you know what the difference is with people playing Forza is that they can play it with their Games Pass subscription. So, you know, you look at a game like Call of Duty, and yeah, you have to pay to buy this game, but it's hard to tell like if you had to pay to buy these games that you're being able to play through subscription services, would the call for Call of Duty be lessened? It's very interesting because, like we talked about, Call of Duty Vanguard, its current Metacritic rating is Piddle Little Road, 76. I mean, that's okay. But then again, last year's was kind of okay. And the previous year's was kind of okay. So everybody in Call of Duty, you know, whichever studio is doing it, because I have three studios that actually do the yearly iterations for Call of Duty, just seems like it's a machine. Just seems yeah. like it's a factory, and they're just producing out okay game after okay game after okay game and like you said it seems like a creature of habit thing where people are just their one purchase of the year each year is call of duty yeah and you know it's a shame too because there's so many better games out there maybe you know there's not as many first person shooter games out there like do you remember in the is like the early 2000s like there was a ton of first person shooters coming out like just weekly they were dropping these first person shooters Nowadays, you don't really get as many of those. You get a lot of indies. You get a lot of like action-adventure games, but you don't get a lot of first-person shooters. So maybe that's playing the Call of Duty's advantage, but I guess the space is ripe for a new like first-person shooter franchise to come out here. But I think that people don't make these army games anymore for the same reason people don't make football games anymore because, you know, how do you compete with the Titans, you know? Like something like Assassin's Creed, right? We talked about this, where they had the the yearly development cycle. They took the year off, but when they came back and they had Assassin's Creed Origins, like it truly looked like they put time, and this game looked beautiful. And I think that Call of Duty could really use that because I'd be curious to see what the ratings and what the numbers were like if they did that. Because you can keep getting sixes and sevens and say like, okay, I made a an okay game, but how long are you going to be able to get sixes and sevens before those sixes and sevens start to become fives and fours and you know that return becomes less and less? It is Call of Duty Vanguard. It is now out and available. But before we go ahead and hit the break, my friend, there is another game that the major industry-type format that you just hinted at, and that is Forza Horizon 5, which, speaking of reviews, currently has a sparkling 91 on Metacritic. So it is a much-beloved game, and like you said, very well-reviewed. So this is a game that you've already sunk your teeth a little bit into. 
What are your thoughts on Forza Horizon 5? This game is absolutely breathtaking. You know, they talked about how they would set up cameras, film the landscape, like as the sun went up and the sun went down. Like, they really went through their paces to make this game. And it shows, you know, the environment is beautiful. The way that the, the environment breaks apart as you run over things and the way that the sun comes down and the, the weather, you have the sandstorms. There's a lot of, like, work went into this game. You know, I love Forza so much. Like, I will play every inch of these Forza Horizon games. So I went ahead and I bought the premium DLC add-on. So if you buy the premium DLC or you buy the premium pack for the game, you can get early access to the game because it doesn't technically come out till November 9th, which I think is on a Tuesday. So I've been sinking my teeth into this game. This is the first Microsoft game to receive a 10 from IGN, and, like, it is well-deserving of it. I'm about three hours in right now. And, you know, my only complaint is much like every other Forza game, like there's just so much content on the map that it's hard to keep up with it all. And Because as you go, you're like unlocking different parts of the festival and all that. But before you know it, you have so many icons on your map that it can be a little bit overwhelming. And you know me, like I got OCD when it comes to games. So I have to like make sure I hit all the points and X everything off. But it's a truly spectacular game and some people might like this some people might not like it but like the customization in the game has a lot of effort put into it like you can choose what body type you have what skin color you have what your pronouns are going to be what your voice looks like you can there's like everything in this game is customizable because they're truly like trying to reach out to anybody and everybody who might be interested in playing this game not to mention, you know, they have their story modes and all that, but there's a whole lot of different horizon stories you can play through. So you're you're not just limited to like races and drifting and things like that. There's a lot of new content packed into this game. And I really like I'm just sitting here thinking about how much I want to play more of it. And this is the first game that I've played that was truly designed and developed for the Xbox Series X. And it really like puts the Xbox through its paces. It is fantastic. You know, it is well-deserving of the ratings that it's gotten so far. Do you plan to try the waters with this one at all? When I get an Xbox Series X, most definitely, it's something I want to get my teeth into. I'm ready to get one. I'm just waiting, just waiting for time. I'm not going to pay extra, but I am going to get yeah. an Xbox Series X. So when I do, that'll be one of the first games I try because well, I'm excited. I'm excited. Just a heads up, Walmart.com is going to drop some at noon your time. So... Well, it's already past noon. <laughs> <laughs> too late then. Too late, too late. But I get the next one. But we'll finish off our conversation with this. We talked about Call of Duty and where it stands as far as the best-selling game each and every year. And obviously one of the greatest video game series of all time. That's notwithstanding. I mean, you cannot sell as many games as the Call of Duty series has and not be considered one of the greatest of all time. For so many years, Forza has been chasing the ghost of what was once Gran Turismo and the fact that Gran Turismo was considered by everyone the greatest driving video game series of all time. That was years ago, and now all these years later, even with another Gran Turismo on the way, I think that the U has totally done a reverse 180 on this, and for recent years now, we have to consider Forza as now the preeminent driving video game series in the world. I agree. Like there's somewhere where Gran Turismo like had the formulas down, you know, and like granted, like having to take license tests, like really angered a lot of people because they're hard, but Forza continued to go at it. Whereas like Gran Turismo kept on taking so many years off and then they would try new things that never really clicked with audiences, you know, and I, I will forever complain about 
things like Grand Turismo 4 or 5, I don't remember which one, where you had to, like, they had such little content where you actually could drive the car and then, like, half the game was coaching drivers. Like, yeah. that was something that really irritated me. And then they had Grand Turismo Sport, which came out two years ago, and that was one that required you to always be online. See, the great thing about these Forza games, like, the online content is there if you want it, but, you know, this is what I tell people. Like, I love Forza and the fact that I can come home from work, sit down, and unwind while playing this game you know i don't have to talk to people i don't have to jump in any multiplayer servers i can just sit there and play it you know it's not it's not complicated at all and you know i think that's something that really plays in its favor and why at least to me i regard it as a better game than gran turismo you know gran turismo 7 could come out and i could eat my shoe but right now like i think this is the go-to racing series for a lot of people what well, is Forza Horizon 5 is now available on Xbox Games Pass and wherever you get your video games, and also Call of Duty Vanguard, which is not available on Games Pass, but it is available on every major gaming platform. So these are two of the heavyweights that were expected to come out in November. So we want to hear your thoughts on Call of Duty Vanguard and Forza Horizon 5. Is it everything that you wanted it to be as far as a video game for this holiday season? Please share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com hey this is chad from ghost toasters and you're listening to pop culture cosmos podcast if you're in the las vegas and henderson areas and are looking to buy sell or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles there's no better place to go than retro city games from xbox to playstation nintendo to atari the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, my friend... It's almost time to end the show, but before we head on out, we've got just a couple things to go and some memories from you. So before we head on out, we talked earlier about Netflix and Stranger Things and how wonderful it is, and we're so looking forward to it. But there are a couple things to look forward to right now from the world of Netflix. And in fact, one may not be so great and one may be very good. First off, we'll do with the good. And that is Arcane from the world and universe of League of Legends. This animated series that's coming out each and every successive Saturday, the 6th, the 13th, and the 20th. Yeah. Act 1 has already come out by the time you hear this. This is a very interesting concept. I've seen the design and I like the animation style, but I'm not really a huge League of Legends fan. So I'm wondering if I need to understand the League of Legends, the game. Do I need to be involved in that very much? Or can I just enjoy it for what it's worth? You know, that's the cool thing about League of Legends. It's very accessible to all players, you know, all people who are interested. The characters have their own backstories, but there's not a lot of, like, deep lore to this game. You know, like, it's just, it has, you to pick your characters, tells, like, what class they are, where they came from. Like, they all have backstories, but there's not a bunch of, like, oh, in this battle of man versus orc or whatever, like, Warcraft has. I think that this, the creation of this show is them trying to introduce lore into the franchise. 
and you know it could only help you know much like when halo one came out they had the books that kind of expanded the world a little bit i think that that's what they're trying to do with this one so that eventually you know one day league of legends can be a big franchise like it can be something that people will go to of all game types you know whether or not you want to play the multiplayer mode or if there's like a single player version that they're going to come out with eventually like i think they're just trying to build the universe a little bit it's actually a nine episode arc but what they're doing is releasing it kind of differently they're going to be doing it in three episode arcs so i guess until it gets to a total of nine so they're going to be releasing one, two, and three in successive weekends. Then they're going to be introducing another three and then introducing another three. So it's kind of interesting the way that they're releasing this. So I'm curious to see how people will relate to this. If people that are not fans of the game or are not familiar with the game, if they'll connect with this series. So I'm, I'm curious because, again, I like the look. I like the feel, like the style of it, what's being presented. So I'm very much looking forward to Arcane. Yeah, me too. And I also, you know, in the wake of this, like they talked about the uh, Devil May Cry series for Netflix is still planning on coming out. So I think Netflix is a good place for this uh, gaming content to find a home because, you know, if you want to expand your lore and you don't want to go through the hassle of like printing DVDs or really, you know, doing the whole anime thing, like Netflix seems like a good way to get people interested you know, especially with their like gaming service coming out. So I don't know. I, I'm seeing big things happening with the gaming scene and Netflix working together. Before we head on out, my friend, we want to talk about one major thing on Netflix, which should have been, and I'm going to be honest with you, my friend, should have been at the front of our episode where we talk about the huge main topic that hit. And that is Red Notice with The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. But the reason why it's here on the section where we talk about the other interesting news of the week is that it's gotten roasted over the coals by the critics. And I think right now, according to Metacritic, it has a 39, which is really bad. And we talked about this before leading up to Red Notice that we were worried that it just might be all three individuals cashing in a paycheck because seemingly some of these big name actors that are doing these action side story movies that premiere on Netflix seem to be going through the motions and okay, we'll just take our money and there you go. I mean, Ryan Reynolds has already done one already that came out last year to Netflix. And to me, this is kind of disappointing because instead of using this as a platform to really boost it and just put this out there because of the big names, this movie is going to be popular. This movie is going to be viewed by tens of millions of viewers and justify its existence on Netflix. But to me, it's kind of disappointing that they went through the motions on this movie because it could have been so much more. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at the the names in it, The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot, and you look at Netflix, and like, I honestly don't have any expectations for this movie to be good. I feel like it's going to be a popcorn flick, and that's the reason I'm going to watch it. I'm not looking for depth. I'm not looking for good acting. I'm just looking for something that I can sit back on the couch, get a bowl of popcorn, sit down relax and enjoy it i'm not expecting like an oscar worthy film and i think that if anyone was then this was not the right movie for them to watch you know i could be mistaken i could watch and be like oh man this really is like flaming hot garbage but you're looking at the talent in it and you're looking at where the movie is housed and it's not something that 
anybody should really be expecting to be fantastic by any stretch of the imagination. Well, and it also has Ryan Reynolds PG-13 style, which I've already said on the show is not as funny and entertaining. Right. Uh, yeah. He, I mean, I just he, watched Free Guy. I just watched Free Guy and caught Free Guy, which we were so excited for. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you, my friend. I fell asleep three times. I tried yeah. To, I fell asleep. I rewound to where uh, I left off, and I fell asleep again. And then I had to rewind again, and I fell asleep again. Yeah, I saw that that came out. I've been meaning to check it out. I was so excited for that movie, too. Yeah, it looked really fun. I mean, it didn't look cool. It looked funny. Or fun, I guess, would be more the word. Ryan Reynolds, though, like, if you look at all these smaller budget films that he's doing, like, it's no wonder he the guy the guy's been busy. And, like, it's no wonder he recently stated he's going to be taking, like, a, Time off. a year off from acting. Because I think his next gig is supposed to be the next Deadpool movie. So I think he's kind of just taking some time off till that happens. That definitely needs a break, especially after this one. Again, a lot of people are going to see it. It is Red Notice, which is right now on Netflix. It is getting raked over the coals review-wise, but we want to hear your thoughts. Should we put on notice with Red Notice? Is it as bad as the critics saying it is? Is it even better as a popcorn flick, like Josh is saying? But we're going to be checking it out in the not-too-distant future regardless. Plus also Arcane, the new series from the folks at League of Legends, this new animated series that's coming out. We want to hear your thoughts on both if they are must-watches or must-not-watches on Netflix. Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, before we head on out, you have some more retail memories that we wanted to bring everyone. So please, before we head on out, you have some memories of KB Toys. Yes. You know, my one big regret in life is that my kids will not get to experience the joy that was KB Toys. It's like, limited. It's still out. I think there is it still out. No, so they were purchased by Toys R Us and then Toys R Us went out of business. So like, I don't know. I think that their Toys R Us is like the big thing they're trying to bring back, which we'll talk more about next week. But I don't think that there are any physical KB toy locations anymore. But, you know, you walk into a shopping mall and you really have to admire these these stores that take such a tiny space like these stores are not big by any stretch of the imagination, but you have to really admire people who are able to take that small space and make it look big. And that is what KB Toys did. Like you would walk in and they had just big aisles and their toys everywhere. You know, they had, you walk in, you have your like, what's hot and what's not, stuff that's on sale. You have against the back wall, you have like the new release toys, all that. And then you have these, big aisles going from the middle of the store all the way to the back of the store and on these aisles you know that's where you had your different sections superheroes um, anime barbies hot wheels whatever it might be and you know walking into there like it the shelves because it was so small and everything so packed together the shelves always looked so full of everything and it was just it was absolutely glorious and then not to mention that not only could you get toys and action figures here, but you could get video games. And you walk up to the counter, they always had that those glass cabinets. And in those glass cabinets, you can buy, you know, for some reason, I'm, I'm stuck in the, the era of Nintendo 64. They had Nintendo 64 games, PlayStation. And they had a few Sega, because around that time, like Sega and Super Nintendo were slowly, like, fading out of popularity. It didn't matter if they didn't have what you were looking for. They always had something else that you wanted. Because I think the last big, like, thing 
that I was into that I got from there were like Dragon Ball Z toys. Because I remember, you remember when those action figures started to come out? Like Dragon Ball Z was getting popular in the U.S. market, and they started producing action figures. And KB Toys always had really cool Dragon Ball Z action figures. In hindsight, you know, as we say every week, I wish that I could look back, you know, had enough intelligence to like look at them and be like, I want to buy a bunch of these toys and I want to buy two copies of them because, man, really wish I had that money right now. The only thing for me is I, I thought always KB Toys for me was like a, a, a go to second spot. I mean, first off, if Toys R Us didn't have it, then I would say, oh, OK, let me go to KB Toys. But every right. time I went to KB Toys, once you got past the video game section right there in front as you hit the cashier spot and you walk by, they have these like where I went in the malls, these like only what three aisles and they'd be very smooshed. They'd be packed wall to wall, like mm-hmm. you said, with toys, the different toy sections. But you would be smashed because it was it really they were so closely put together that yeah. you would have to squeeze your way through and that's the memories i have of this fact there's so much inventory put in such a small space that you would always have to squeeze by some money in order to go ahead and look at what you needed to look at that was always my favorite part about it and maybe it's because i was a kid you know and i always like loved being in that store i didn't get to go to toys r us as often as i i would have liked because my parents were always like getting things from the mall so naturally when we're at the mall i wanted to go check out kb toys and that was Kind of my favorite part about being there is because my parents would be like in some dumb store next door and I could just pop over into KB Toys while they're looking at stuff and just get lost in all these other things. I remember specifically a memory when I was a kid, I collected Transformers and they had the rack of Transformers right by the door. And I was like, oh, cool. And I didn't know any better about like, oh, hey, you shouldn't steal things. So I picked up this Transformer, took it to the store next door where my mom was and like, and said, Mom, please, can I get this Transformer? And she freaked out because I walked out of the store with a toy that I didn't pay for. Oops. But, you know, they always, always had something for everybody. And I think that because I had the, my parents trusted me enough to go into KB Toys while they were shopping elsewhere, that's why that memory really sticks with me is because KB Toys is something that I was there a lot, you know, and so it feels like a fundamental part of my childhood. And, you know, I I still remember getting the newspapers every Sunday and opening up like, hey, hey, what does KB Toys have on sale? They always had like a Target sized ad paper. So I would love to see KB Toys come back in some form. You know, I know they had KB Toys Express for a while, but that was before Toys R Us closed down because Toys R Us ate up KB Toys and now KB Toys is now seriously tied to whatever happens to Toys R Us. So I don't know what's going to happen, but it was just really nice to have a toy store in the mall, you know, outside of GameStop where you don't have to pay $30 for an action figure. Well, if you have any thoughts of KB Toys like we do, please share us your thoughts on the memories that you have because we'd love to hear it. And actually, you know, if you'd like, we'll even relate it here on the show as well. So if you have any thoughts on KB Toys and the memories that you have, please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. Any last thoughts on the way out? Just scour change.org. See if there's any like KB Toys or Toys R Us surveys out there. Put your name on them. Like, we need to get some toy stores back in the world. Like, I love Amazon, but Amazon is the destroyer of toy stores and i would love to see another toy store pop up here soon 
Well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be a very busy week coming up ahead. We're getting into the nitty-gritty, as they say, in the month of November. A lot of things are coming up as far as announcements, as far as releases. We're just getting started. And I know on the Friday show, Melinda and I will cover as much as we can. And coming back here next week, we'll recap a lot of what's going on, plus get you prepared even more for the week ahead in pop culture. There's a lot of stuff coming up in pop culture, and we're going to take care of it for you right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day of paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO Network is pro-science and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today. Hello there. I can see you have great taste in podcasts. Keep your discerning streak going with the Soul Forge podcast. No topic is off limits on the Soul Forge. We talk about life, toys, dating, geekiness, love, nerdiness, TV, movies, and just about anything you can think of. Check out the Soul Forge podcast. Soulforgepodcast.com and wherever you find your podcasts. We're everywhere. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.